uh, today. Last week, we, we kind of left off with Jesus, and, and he rose from the, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead. There was an empty tomb, and he walked and talked with his disciples for several days after that, for 40 days, in fact, and, and right before he was about to ascend into heaven and be taken from the, the disciples' sights and, and go back to heaven, like right before that happened, one of the last things he told his disciples, he said, I want you to wait, I want you to wait in the city, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power from on high. Like that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of exciting. And if you're the disciples in this moment, you're probably a little bit confused. Like, Jesus, why do you have to go away from us? Like, why do you have to leave us? Like, we thought you were back for good now. You're like, you already left us once. You were in the tomb. Now you're going to leave us again. So they're a little confused. But at the same time, I think they're a lot excited about this, this new thing. Because when Jesus talks about power, I mean, we're talking real power. Because they had seen, this whole time, they'd seen Jesus uh, heal people. They'd seen Jesus heal crippled people. They'd seen him heal the blind. They, they'd seen him teach these, these things that just seemed to be beyond uh, anything that they learned in, in school, anything they learned in the temple growing up. And, and so Jesus knows power. He, they've seen Jesus raise people from the dead. They've seen Jesus raised from the dead. So when Jesus says, you're going to be clothed with power, I think they were a lot excited. Anybody like surprises in here? Okay, a few of you. Um, I know my girls love surprises. Ava and Ella, they just, I think they live for surprises. So it's fun to bring home little things for them. And, and so I'll say, hey girls, I got a surprise for you. And so they assume the surprise receiving position. They got their eyes closed, they got their hands out, and then all of a sudden you start hearing these high-pitched noises. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? What's it going to be? You know, and and they just get so excited, they they put their hands out. And I think in the same way, the disciples were were maybe, they assumed the position like, yes, Lord. Right? Some of you, we were just singing that song, Take Me Deeper. Right? And we assumed that position. We had our eyes closed and our hands out. You didn't even know it. Right? And you're just like, God, I want more of you. I want, I want something more. I want a surprise. So I, I think the disciples, they were a little bit confused, but they were, they were a lot excited. And they were just kind of like, Jesus, who, who, what are you talking about? What, what is this surprise that we're going to get? You know, and, and the anticipation is building. See, Jesus, he wasn't, what Jesus was talking about, it wasn't a what, it was a, a who. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, and over the next seven weeks, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and this gift that God gives us, that Jesus gives us. We're going to be looking at the person of the Holy Spirit and how he affects every part of our relationship with Christ. So today, uh, we're going to break down a lot of different aspects of the Holy Spirit, and I promise you we won't even be able to do the justice to the Holy Spirit in these next seven weeks. We're going to do our best, uh, but today I want to give you a big look at the Holy Spirit, and specifically talking about the Holy Spirit in you, how the Holy Spirit affects your life, how the Holy Spirit operates in your life. So the first thing I want to look at this morning, just real briefly, is who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Actually, if you got your Bibles, we're going to be jumping all over the place today, but the first place we're going is Genesis chapter 1. So right at the beginning, very first book of the Bible, you can, you can turn there, Genesis chapter 1. And so Maybe you're asking yourself that question. All right, who is the Holy Spirit? Maybe you've, heard, maybe you've never heard of the Holy Spirit before, and you're just like, all right, I know God, and I know Jesus, but who is the 
Holy Spirit. Like he kind of, he's kind of that, that side, the third wheel, you know, like who is, who is the Holy Spirit? So we're going to be looking at that today. Maybe, maybe you've had your encounters with the Holy Spirit in the past, or maybe you've heard people teach on the Holy Spirit before and it just didn't sit right with you. And you're just like, man, I've, I've got a bad taste in my mouth of the Holy Spirit. So I, whatever your, your knowledge or experience uh, with the Holy Spirit is, over these next few weeks, I simply want to teach you what the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit. I want to, I want to teach you what the Bible has the Holy, uh, to say about the Holy Spirit. I mean, straight out of Scripture. And, and then what we're going to do is give you time to respond to God accordingly. You know, we're, we're not going to do anything weird or crazy. We're just going to allow God to do what he wants to do in this place. And I believe that God is going to fill you and use you in the Holy Spirit like you've never experienced before. So the Holy Spirit, he's part of the Trinity. It's a fancy word that means uh, God in, in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's three persons, but one God. And that's really hard to understand. Right? I'll probably be thinking about it the rest of my life and never fully understand how God can be three persons, but yet one God. It's not three different modes that God takes. It's not three different forms that God takes. It's three distinct persons, but yet they're so combined in their mind, will, and emotions, and, and everything working together that we serve one God. I've heard an example, and this example doesn't do it justice, but picture you know, an egg. It's got the shell it's got the egg whites. It's got the yolk. Three distinct parts. But yet you look at it and you say, that's an egg. You know, you don't go over like, that's an eggshell, an egg whites, and a yolk. No, it's, it's one thing. And the same way, uh, again, it doesn't do it justice, but the, the God we serve is one God, but yet he has three different persons. See, the Holy Spirit... Uh, we often talk about how the Holy Spirit showed up on the scene, right? Because the disciples, they're sitting there like, okay, God, what do you got for me? And the Holy Spirit's poured out, and we'll talk about that towards the end today. But, but the Holy Spirit's poured out. Oftentimes, we think the Holy Spirit didn't show up on the scene until that moment when the disciples are just waiting there, and they're praying, and they're saying, God, yeah, we want more of you. But really, the Holy Spirit was on the scene from day one. Genesis chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? We know that verse. We've heard that verse. We know God was there. We know God created it. But then verse 2 says this. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So I mean, so right away, right away, we see the Holy Spirit is involved in creation. And not only just God, the Father, and the Spirit, but Jesus was there too. We read in John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And when John writes the word, he's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the living word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So we see all three parts uh, of the Trinity working together. God the Father, God the Father in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Holy Spirit hovered on the waters. And through Jesus, everything was made through Jesus. Nothing was made without him, right? Everything was made through Jesus. So we see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all working together all from day one or before day one when, he, when they spoke it into existence. So we see all three parts of the Trinity. There's many other times that we, we see this as well. One of them is at Jesus' baptism. 
Uh, we see this in, in the Gospels. We'll look at Matthew's version in Matthew chapter 3. So listen for him here. It says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. So again, we, we see all three. Jesus is being baptized. The, the Father uh, from heaven is saying, this is my Son, and with him I'm well pleased. And we see the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove and, and alighting him and, and, and all these different things. We see all three persons of the Trinity working together. These aren't the only places. There are several other places in the Bible that mentions all three. In fact, the word Trinity isn't mentioned in the Bible. That's just the word we use to describe who our God is. But it's all three working together in our lives. And we often talk about what the Father does for us. We, we talk about what Jesus does for us, you know, on the cross. So how does the Holy Spirit affect your life? What, what part does the Holy Spirit play in your relationship with Jesus? And so we're going to be looking at that. And I want to give you five different ways today. There's, there's more ways than this, but I want to give you five different ways that the Holy Spirit moves in your life. And many of you have experienced a lot of these already, and sometimes you don't even realize, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. So today, uh, there might be many things in your life that you're just like, okay, yeah, I've experienced that before. Well, today I want to explain to you, man, that, that was the Holy Spirit in your life. So the first one today is that the Holy Spirit convicts you. The Holy Spirit convicts you. In John chapter 16, verse 8 and verse 13, it says this, and when the Holy Spirit comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll guide you into all truth. I believe virtually every person in this room today has experienced the Holy Spirit in this way. You've been convicted of your sin. You realized, oh, I did something wrong. I am guilty. You know, a lot of times we like to call that our conscience or, uh, you know, all these different things. But it's the Holy Spirit working in our lives, telling you what's right from wrong. Because it says in there, the Holy Spirit's going to guide you into all truth. And in your spirit, you're going to understand and realize what is true and what is not. What is right and what is wrong. So again, he, he guides us into all truth. So it says the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. He convicts us of sin. So the truth about us the truth about humanity. That's what he convicts us of. He tells us the truth about humanity. We are sinful people. Like we've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. And he convinces us and convicts us of we are guilty. We've got sin. That thing that we just did was bad, right? You felt that before in your, your heart where you're just like, I messed up. Like that was bad. I shouldn't do that again. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you. It says he also convicts us of righteousness, and what righteousness is, it's really, it's the truth about God, truth of the right way to live. So he not only teaches us the wrong things, but he also teaches us, this is the right thing. God is righteous. God is right. This is the right way to live. And then finally, he convicts us of judgment, the inevitable truth that the combination of humanity's sinfulness and God's righteousness is judgment. We're sinful. We've messed up and, and we're no longer worthy of God's righteousness. And because of that, there's consequences. Because of our sin, we're, we're worthy of death. We're, we're worthy to spend eternity in hell. And, and, and that's, that's what the Bible teaches us. That's what the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart and he convicts us. 
See, this conviction is really just letting you know what is and what is not truth. Again, he guides us into all truth. Right? Have, have you ever knew that something was wrong in your life, but you tried to get away with it anyways? You ever been there before? You thought, ah, these consequences, they, they're not going to catch me. They're not going to catch up to me. That happened to me one time. Uh, I was a kid, and, and uh, my parents were gone, and my brother and I, I think we were home alone. And, uh, you know, that's a good recipe for things to happen, right? And one of our favorite things to do was uh, to pull out the BB guns. And we'd often pull out BB guns, and, and uh, we'd, we'd get empty pop cans, we'd fill them up with water, and we'd stick them out in the backyard, and we'd try to shoot them off the deck and, you know, see who could get more hits. You know, it was just fun. That's, it was good. I don't know what was happening. I think maybe it was either night, and it was dark outside, or it was raining, so we had this brilliant idea. We can't shoot BB guns outside, so we should shoot BB guns inside, right? Man, it was a good day. So we had this plan. We had a longer hallway in the basement, and we thought, that's the perfect, that's the perfect shooting range right there, right? But we need to make sure we don't cause any damage because we need to get away with this, right? Parents are gone. We need to pull this over on them. We don't want any consequences. We know this is, you know, wrong, if we do it wrong, but we're not going to do it wrong. We're going to do it right. Nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to be the wiser. So we found some cardboard and we put it up on the wall at the end of the hallway. You know, we, we did a test shot just to make sure this is going to be okay. You know, hit the cardboard and I think it just fell off and it was perfect. Okay, we've got our BB proof cardboard at the end of the, end of the hallway. As long as we don't miss, we're going to be just fine. Parents aren't going to be the wiser. So we set it up, we start shooting, we hit the target, I mean, every time, and, and it's good. And the best part about it was like, we got our ammo back. We didn't even lose it because the BBs would just fall down and you'd hear them bouncing on the ground and it was good. And I thought, this is, this is perfect. And finally, I got to that time, like, okay, mom and dad are going to be home soon. We should probably clean up this mess, clear away any evidence. And we thought, we are going to get away with it. We had a good, fun time. This isn't, we know it might, they wouldn't have said yes to us if we did it, but I mean, we did it and we show them, you know, this is, this is going to be okay. They don't have to know about it. It's going to be okay. And, and you know what? Sometimes we like to live life that way, right? We, we start doing these things and the Holy Spirit inside of us says, you're wrong. This is bad. This is not good. And, and we start to kind of argue with the Holy Spirit and say, well, does it really affect anybody? Is there really any consequences? You know, it, it's not going to, it's not going to hurt anyone. You know, if I, if I look at this thing, it's not really going to hurt anyone. You know, if I, if I say these things, it's not really going to hurt anyone. If I just stay in this addiction, it's not going to hurt anyone. It's only going to hurt me, so it's really not affecting. And we try to do all these things, and we try to say, no, it's not really sin, even though the Holy Spirit's telling us, sin, it's a sin. It's a sin. It's not right. It doesn't line up with God's truth. So we went to go clean up our mess. And we pulled down the cardboard. And it was in that moment <laughs> that we realized that there was going to be consequences <laughs> to our actions. Because every time we hit the cardboard, it left a dent in the cardboard, and then it left a dent in the door behind the cardboard, and it left a dent in the wall. And a few of them just went all the way through and through the door, and were stuck in there, and it was a mess. It was in that moment we realized there was no amount of cover-up, there was no amount of putty and paint that we were going to be able to get away with this 
mistake that we had made. Right? And the thing is, the Holy Spirit, he, He's sending you those warning signs, this is sin, because He doesn't want you to have to pay the consequences. He doesn't want you to have to go down that road. He, he's letting you know that there are consequences, and that's why we need to be convinced that there's, there's judgment in our lives. If we don't think that there's judgment, if we think we're just going to get away with it and there's no punishment, and at the end of this life we just, you know, die and blissful, blissfully go into nothingness, or we think we get to go to heaven just because we're, we're good people, then we're going to just keep on sinning in our lives. We're just going to keep on doing it because we think there's no consequences. There's no consequences. But in reality, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Right? We, we can't escape that. Uh, that. That heaven and hell are real places and the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. See, my brother and I, we realized we were sinful, that we, we messed up when we realized there was consequences. My parents came home, my dad goes downstairs, and it wasn't two seconds before he looked at the wall and, and consequences were doled out. I won't get into the details there, but let's just say we didn't shoot BB guns in the house anymore. We learned our lesson. And so the first thing the Holy Spirit does is he convicts you. He convicts you. The second thing the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit cleanses you. The Holy Spirit cleanses you. In Titus chapter 3, it says this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another and shooting BB guns inside. And Oh, wait, no, it doesn't say that one. But we were all sinful. We all messed up. We, we all failed. But in verse 4, it says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us and righteous, not, not because you were good, not because he thought you were just the best thing since sliced bread, but according to his own mercy, because he loved you and he cared for you in your own sin. And then it says this, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So the Holy Spirit, he cleanses us. He, he cleanses us. You were once foolish and lost, but when Jesus saved you, you were washed and cleansed and renewed and regenerated by the Holy Spirit. So I like this. The Holy Spirit, he doesn't just have to be the bad guy, right? He doesn't have to just be the guy who comes in and be like, you were wrong. You're sinful. You're going to hell. You know, that's not just the, that's, that's just the first step of the Holy Spirit. But after that, he gets the privilege and honor of cleansing you, of cleaning you up, uh, of making you new. Some of you here today, you experienced this for the very first time last week. Uh, you, you saw what Jesus did. You came to this altar. You, you, laid, you laid down those, those addictions, those strongholds, those sins in your life, and you gave them to Jesus. And, and in that moment, the Holy Spirit he cleaned you up from the inside out. I mean, he washed you perfectly. And all that muck and gunk in your life that you just, you tried to clean up yourself, but it seemed like the more that you cleaned, the more mess that you spread. You ever had like a bad eraser and you're trying to erase, you know, some pencil markings and it just, instead of disappearing, it just spreads around the whole paper? You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's the way we are in our lives. We're trying to erase the stuff, and it just seems to spread and get worse and worse. And we can't clean ourselves up, but the Holy Spirit comes in, and he cleans us, and he makes us brand new. So like I said, some of you, you experienced it for the first time. You came in here just 
in bondage, but you left free. You left joyful. You left feeling clean. And words can't even put into context what God did in your life. In that moment, the Holy Spirit cleaned you up. He transformed you. And at that point of salvation, there's another work that the Holy Spirit started doing in your life. The third thing today is the Holy Spirit lives inside you. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells in us. Check it out. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? And similar in Romans chapter 8, it says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So what these verses are saying is that when you accept Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and he takes up residence inside you. He comes and lives inside you. Now that's a very difficult concept to explain in kid zone right now. You know, if you told a bunch of kids, the Holy Spirit lives in you, you'd be like, what part? You know, you know where, where, where is he living? But it says the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So let's look back a little bit in the Old Testament. Uh, God commissioned Moses to build a tabernacle. And and later on, he commissioned King Solomon to build a temple. And and they would build these things. The tabernacle was basically like a mobile temple. You know, you could just kind of pick it up and carry it wherever you wanted to go. Uh, and, And God commissioned these things so that he could have a place where his spirit would dwell on earth, where his presence would physically be on earth. And there was only certain people that got to experience God's presence. There's only certain people. So you, only certain people were allowed into the tabernacle or the temple. Only, only the Israelites were allowed into the temple. And then a little bit farther into the temple, uh, only, only Israelite men were allowed. The women weren't allowed there. And a little bit farther, only Israelite priests were allowed in. And then if you go a little bit farther, there was a, there was a room called the holy place. And in the holy place, only select priests got to go in at certain times. So there was still, you know, still. But then there's another place, even the farthest, the most inner room of the whole temple, of the whole tabernacle, was called the Holy of Holies, or the most holy place. And this is where uh, the Ark of the Covenant sat, where uh, they had the Ten Commandments in there and a few different things. And, and, and this, was, this was where the presence of God dwelt on earth. This was where God's presence, where his spirit dwelt, and it was contained by these four walls. The only contact that people would really get to have with with God's spirit. And the thing was, this was a place that was set apart. This was a place, again, it was the holy of holies. It was the most holy place. This was a set apart place. Holy means to be set apart. And only one priest, only the high priest, and only once a year would get to enter into this most holy place to experience the presence of God. And it was a place that was revered. It was a place that was, that was feared, honestly. Because if you went in and you weren't supposed to be in there, or you went in with the wrong heart, I mean, you, you would die in the presence of God because God wouldn't allow you know, anything that was unholy into his presence. And for hundreds of years, this is where God's presence dwelt on earth. But then Jesus came to earth. He lived a perfect life and he, he died on the cross. And all four Gospels record when he died on that cross, the moment he died, it said that the veil that covered up the the most holy place, the holy of holies that contained God's presence, it said it ripped from top to bottom. It ripped in two. 
And, and from that moment on, God's presence no longer dwells in a building, but it dwells in you. It dwells in his followers. It dwells in those who have accepted Christ and the Holy Spirit takes up residence and he lives inside of you. I mean, think about that. I mean, this was the thing that the Israelites longed for. They desired, but only one person once a year would get to experience that. And now, because of what Jesus did on the cross, the Holy Spirit can live inside you every day. It says that, that don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't need a building. The, let me tell you what. God's presence doesn't just rest inside of these walls. Like You can have God's presence wherever you go. You can have God's presence wherever you go. The Holy Spirit will be with you wherever you go. When we choose to live a life set apart for God, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. But he's not done yet. He's not done. Because the fourth thing the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit matures you. Holy Spirit matures you. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. See, the Spirit doesn't just convict you. The Spirit doesn't just cleanse you. The Spirit doesn't just live inside you and leave you hanging, but He helps you to grow and to mature. So as he's living inside of you, he helps you uh, to become more like Christ on a daily basis, every single day. And I love this picture that Galatians gives. He says it's the, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. He doesn't just say the Spirit gives you love and joy and peace and all these things. No, he says the fruit of the Spirit, living in the Spirit, allowing the Spirit to dwell inside of you, start growing these things just like fruit grows in our lives. See, when you take a fruit seed and you plant it in the ground, when you take an apple seed and you plant it in the ground, you don't start getting fruit off of it in a couple days or a couple weeks or a couple months. It's going to be years, sometimes even up to a decade before you finally get the fruit of what you planted, that seed that was planted inside of you. There's no quick fix to just becoming mature in your relationship with God. It takes time and it takes time in the Holy Spirit. When we hear about Jesus in our lives, that seed is planted, and when we surrender our lives to Christ, that seed takes root, and it starts to grow. And like I said, we won't be mature and fully have it all figured out instantly, uh, but over time and over years, God is going to grow fruit in our lives. The Holy Spirit's going to grow fruit, and he begins to weed out the harmful areas in our lives that are holding us back. There was one night in, in youth a few years ago where I gave this illustration. I pulled a microwave out on, on the platform, and I think it'd be a little small to do that here. Uh, but you can definitely try this experiment at home if you haven't already. It must have been around Easter time because, I mean, there was peeps everywhere. Uh, some of you, you guys have like a whole cabinet full of peeps at home. You're just like, I don't even know how I'm going to eat all these marshmallowy birds uh, for a long time. So if you've got one of those, take it home today and just take one out and stick it in the microwave. And watch what happens. If you've never experienced it, right? Uh, this, this peep will go from this little tiny bird and, and it blows up to a big bird, right? A big scary bird. And it, it probably gets to maybe about the size of an apple, but this thing just blows up. Maybe, I haven't tested it out, but maybe just like throw a bunch of them. You're not going to eat them. Just throw a bunch of them in there and just see what happens. I don't know. It might be a lot of cleaning. Uh, but I mean, these things blow up and it's really cool. And, and and that's kind of how we like to do our faith. We think we like to microwave our faith. 
You know, we like things instantly. We like, we like things now. If we can just puff it up, you know, we start with this little thing. But if we can just, you know, expedite the process. So we try to do the good things. We, we, we try to, you know, if I just, you know, look good, maybe if I just start serving, if I can get involved, then everything's going to look good on the outside. And we forget about the inside, Right? On the inside, who cares? We, we just want to grow. We just want to look good. And we don't take time to develop that fruit. We don't take time to spend time in God's word. We don't take time in prayer. We don't take time to do all these things that God tells us is good. We don't take time to recognize the Holy Spirit living in our lives. We just want to do things on the outside so people know, like, I'm good, you know? Uh, and, and so we're one way in front of people on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night, but then at home we're just kind of doing whatever we want when no one's looking. Well, that's great and all, but the problem is after you take that peep out of the microwave, it looks really cool for like two seconds, and then it just squishes down into this ugly, burnt, hot, sticky, marshmallowy mess. I mean, and it's just like a dead peep now. And it doesn't work. And that's what happens in our lives when we try to puff ourselves up and we try to make ourselves look good, but there's no strong foundation on the inside. We're just living this marshmallowy, soft life. Uh, we, we eventually collapse and we give up and, and we stop running this race for Jesus. But it says that the Holy Spirit, he creates fruit in our lives. Fruit that matures over years and over time. And on the inside is, you know, it, it's hard. It's got a good foundation and, and, and you can share this with others and you can uh, show others your love and you can show others your peace and your patience and your kindness and your goodness and all these different things. See, when we try to mature in, in Christ, we try to do things. We try to do loving acts. But when the Holy Spirit grows you and matures you, he doesn't simply have you do loving acts, but he helps you become more loving. It's not just a doing thing, it's, it's who you are. And, and now all of a sudden you're just like, man, when did I get so loving? Like I just find myself doing things because man, I love people and, and I just want to help them out. I used to be angry, but, but now, man, I think I've got patience. I don't even honk at people in traffic anymore. You know, like all these different things. And you just, you start to realize over time, you may not notice it overnight, but over time you realize, I used to be a different way. But the Holy Spirit is working and he's maturing and he's helping me to grow in my life. I was just talking with, with a guy recently and, and he was sharing his testimony with me. And, uh, and he said, I, I wasn't a Christian, but I just really felt like I needed to, to read my Bible. So that's what I started doing. I would go out in my truck, grab my Bible, grab my weed, and I'd read my Bible and I'd get high. He didn't know any better. That's just, that's just what he knew what to do. He wasn't saved yet. And, and as he read the Bible, and as he realized who Jesus was, he said, I didn't need that addiction anymore. And I just gave it up. And that's, that was the Holy Spirit working in his life and showing him, hey, you don't need these things. You don't need anything. And, and he said, I look back and, man, I used to be angry all the time. But, but now, but now I, I don't have anger anymore. Now I feel, feel patient. It's what, what God's doing in my life. And again, that's the Holy Spirit working. That's the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. The Holy Spirit isn't done yet. There's still more. Guys, there's always more. There's always more when it comes to God. The last thing I want to share about today, like I said, we, we could talk about a lot of different things that the Holy Spirit does, but, but five big ones. The last thing the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit empowers you. The Holy Spirit empowers you. So getting back to that original story when Jesus was about to 
to leave in Acts 1.8, he says this to the disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, God's got more for you. He's got power for you. The Holy Spirit doesn't simply want to convict you and cleanse you and live inside you and mature you, but he wants to empower you. He wants to give you power from on high, to give you boldness in helping you reach others for Jesus. I mean, that's ultimately what this power is for, so that the the glory of God can be displayed and other people can come to know Jesus. See, it says that the disciples and other followers of Jesus, they waited. They waited in Jerusalem. They waited in the upper room. There was 120 of them. And they waited there. You know, they were like, all right, God, give me what you want. Like, we're ready. We're ready. And it said that they were praying in this upper room for 10 days. They sought the Lord. They, they sought what God had for them. They didn't know what was coming. And it said, finally, that they experienced the Holy Spirit like they never had before. See, in the upper room where they're praying, it said that all of a sudden, a sound of a mighty rushing wind came in, and that, that what looked like fire rested on each person, and they began to speak in languages they had never learned before. Crazy, amazing, incredible. Like, I, I'm not even making this up. You can go check. Read it. It's in Acts chapter 2. I encourage you, read the book of Acts, because this wasn't the only time that something like that happened. It continued to happen, and it continues to happen today. See, those physical signs, they, they were cool, right? And, and, and that was awesome. And God still does those things today. But, but you see, the people outside of the room, they started hearing these Jesus followers talk in languages they had never learned before. And not in just any languages, but in their own native language. They started hearing them, uh, you know, glorify God in their own native languages. And they started taking notice of like, hey, what's going on here? What's going on? And all of a sudden, Peter gets up, filled with the Holy Spirit, right? This was Peter who just a few weeks ago denied Jesus three times, said, I, I don't know that guy. Now Peter's standing up, and he, he preaches. I mean, he, he goes to town, and he shares what Jesus had done in, their li- in his life, and what Jesus had done on the cross, and that he's not dead, but he's alive. And it said that that day, 3,000 people believed in Jesus and were baptized, 3,000, right? This was Peter. He didn't know what to do. He had never gotten up. This was, that was Jesus' role. But now Peter's getting up and he's teaching. And now he sees 3,000 people saved and baptized, which is incredible. They were baptized in water that day. And in fact, hey, in just a few weeks, on May 8th, we're going to have a baptism. So we're going to baptize people in water uh, because that's, we, we talked about it earlier. Jesus was baptized and he told us to follow in his example. It's this outward saying, you know what? I'm saved. God, Holy Spirit, clean me up. I'm a new person, and I want to share that with the world. I, I want to say, yeah, publicly, I'm a follower of Jesus. So Jesus told us, hey, we need to be baptized just the way he was. So on May 8th, we're going to do that. If you want to get baptized, come and talk with me. Uh, it's going to be a great day of celebration. So that's what, that's what happens here. 3,000 people, they believe, and the disciples are out there baptizing them. Like, how long would that have taken to baptize 3,000 people? That would, would have been a full day, right? And said so a little while later, that's not all, a little while later, Peter and John, they're walking to the temple, and they see this crippled man there. And he's been crippled since he was born. He's never walked in his life, right? And he's just sitting there, and he's begging, you know, hey, I need some money. And Peter and John, they walk up to him, and they said, you know what? 
I don't have any money to give you. I got something better. Man, I got the Holy Spirit living inside my life. And let me tell you what, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And that man, for the first time, he stood up for the first time in his life and he walked around because God had healed him in that moment. And that was the power of the Holy Spirit. But what's amazing is that, that again, the disciples weren't the only ones who received this gift. It didn't stop with them. If you keep reading in the books of, book of Acts, you'll see that many more times of people were praying for more of God. They didn't even know necessarily what they were praying for. And they were filled with, 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 with the Holy Spirit. And again, they begin speaking in this new language they've never understood before and they realized, okay, something's different about me. That's kind of the sign to know like, all right, God has filled me. There's something new. And and they go out and they do incredible things for Jesus and, and make him famous. So maybe you're here this morning, you've experienced that conviction. And because of that, you you went to Jesus and you were cleansed and the Holy Spirit came and he lived inside of you and you've been maturing in your life, but you've never experienced the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God wants to, to do that in your life. We're, we're going to talk about that specifically a few weeks from now, but you know what? You don't need a special service to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't, you don't need a special service for that. Uh, just a a couple months ago, Titus got up here and he shared about how God filled him with the Holy Spirit at 4 a.m. in the morning in the freezing cold while he was at work. A few weeks later, uh, Steve was telling me he went on vacation to Hawaii and God filled him with the Holy Spirit in Hawaii. So it doesn't matter if it's hot or cold out, you can still come to Jesus. God still wants to fill you up. It could happen in this room today where God fills you with his Holy Spirit and empowers you like you've never experienced before. It may happen tonight when you're just alone by yourself and you're going after, and and there's going to be incredible. So we're going to do a a bigger teaching on that later, but let me tell you what, it could happen today. It could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. All it takes is we need to be seeking more of God. Just kind of like those moments, a lot of people, you, you probably said, man, I was filled with the Holy Spirit at camp. Why does that happen? Because we take time and we say, God, all I want is you. And it's funny when we tell God, all I want is you, what God does. He responds. And I believe if we can make that commitment today or any day, say, God, all I want is you. And and we seek after him, that he's going to do incredible things in your life. He's going to change you like never before. Simply comes through seeking more of God. So worship team, would would you come? Let me ask you today, where are you at on your journey with the Holy Spirit? Where are you at? Where are you at? Maybe today you're living life with no consequences. And you think that there's no consequences to your actions. You feel like you're getting away with it. And today you just need the Holy Spirit to come in and convict you and let you know, man, there's, no, there's, there's consequences to your actions. There, we, we need to shape up. We need to change some things. We need to come to Jesus. So maybe that's where you're at today. Or maybe you know that you're living wrong. You felt that conviction. You know that, that you're sitting there and, and man, I am sinful and, and there's things wrong in my life. And today you just need the Holy Spirit to cleanse you and come and live inside you, and you need to give your life to Jesus, and and you've been trying to fix it yourself, you've been trying to clean yourself up, but it just keeps getting messier, and today you need to say, you know, God, I'm going to give it all to you. Maybe that's you today. Or maybe you've accepted Christ as your Savior, but you haven't really matured, you haven't allowed that fruit to come into your life. You just kind of live in shallowly, and and, uh, you got struggles, you've got addictions, and you're still holding you back. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to help you mature more today. He wants to get rid of strongholds in your life. 
Or maybe today, you know, you say, I've got all that, but man, I just, I need more power in my life. I need the Holy Spirit to, to fill me so that I can tell more people about Jesus. And today you want to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know where you're at today. The cool thing about this is you don't have to like progress from one day to the next. Like, okay, today I got convicted and then I'm going to get cleansed and then later I'm going to get live inside and then later I'm going to mature and then later I'm going to get filled. In the Bible, we've seen where the Holy Spirit comes and just like, boom, takes them all out in just like one step in one day. The Holy Spirit's amazing. So maybe today you're, you're sitting there and never knew about Jesus. You've never experienced him before. And today he wants to cleanse you and empower you today. Like I, I'm believing for God to do incredible things. So I'd ask you, would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? Like I said, I, I want to present scripture to you. And then I want you to simply respond to scripture. Simply respond to what God wants to do. And watch what the Holy Spirit does. So these, these altars are open. In fact, I'm going to invite, uh, we're going to have some members of the prayer team. They're just going to be standing right over here. And if, and if you're saying today, you know what? I want to give my life to Jesus. I, I want the Holy Spirit to cleanse me and fill me up. I want you to come down and, and just pray with this team. They've got some more information with you. They love to pray with you. They love to celebrate with you and give you a Bible if you don't have one and, and give you some resources to help put you on the right path. But, but this altar, I encourage you, Everyone who, who is able, everybody who's saying, I want more of the Holy Spirit, just to come, to find a place at this altar and to put all distractions aside and say, God, I want more of you. I want more of your Holy Spirit. And then watch what God does. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we want more of you. We want more of you. We need more of you. Convict us, God cleanse us today. Make us new. Come and live inside us like we've never experienced before. Mature us. Grow us in all these different areas. And God, would you fill us? Would you empower us to do things beyond our capability, beyond our wildest imagination? Jesus said that we would do even greater things than what he did on this earth. That's a pretty high bar. But God, you want to fill people today. You're a good father. You give good gifts to your children. So God, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to flood this place. Holy Spirit, move in us, change us. We're all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's find a place at this altar and just seek more God today.
shame is a- 